Welcome to Playing for the Master, a podcast on theater, faith, culture, and other shenanigans. Okay. Well, this is the... Uh, possibly... Maybe... It's sort of... Official podcast... For Unmuted Arts... And Master Arts Theater. So, welcome to Playing for the Master, uh, the podcast where John Wilson and I talk about theater and creativity and faith and... Other shenanigans, which normally just destroy Tim's world. This is true. But I like my world being destroyed, so that's why we keep doing this thing. So, how you doing, John? Good. (laughs) How are you doing, (laughs) Tim? I am hanging in there. <laughs> We're a little slap happy in case our audience can't tell. Only because this is the third time we've had to try and do this introduction. And it's wonderful. Uh, so obviously when okay. we're slap-happy, we decided, let's talk about something really deep and serious called the Bible. Would you like to explain that, Tim? I would love to. So oh, what okay. we've decided to do is um, we are going to go through the scriptures, and every once in a while we're going to pull out an example of creativity or artistic or performing the performing arts um, or art and see how scripture refers to the arts and um, what God intends or, or you know, what, how God shows us that the, that art is used throughout history and throughout the, the biblical record. So today, um, I felt like it was good to start at the very beginning. It's a very good place to start. This is what I'm told. Normally in song form. Yes, except for uh, Christopher Nolan. This is true. He doesn't always start at the beginning. He's very Mm nonlinear. But we are are simple folk, so we're going to start at the beginning. Going to start. We're some simple folk. We're going to read some Bible. And start at the beginning, because that's where you start a story at. (laughs) So uh, we're going to start in Genesis 1. So John's going to read some verses from Genesis 1, and I will read a couple from Genesis 2, and then we'll talk about that a little bit. So, John, why don't you start us off with Genesis 1? And for those who need to know, we are reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version. I'm also going to start in verse 26, in case I start, and you realize it doesn't sound like Genesis 1-1. Don't cry, heretic, because at least in this instance, I'm not one. I'm just reading a different verse than you expect. All right. Then God said, let us make man in our own image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life. I have given every green plant for food. 
and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. And then we're going to jump over to Genesis 2, starting at verse 19. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens. And he brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So I think the first thing that I want to have us riff on a little bit is the fact that right from the very beginning, we are given God as a creative being, our creator. And in the process of him creating, when he gets to the point of creating man and woman, the one thing that's different from all the other things is that he's created is he says, in the image of God, he formed them. Man and man, male and female, he created them. And I think one of the things that is very apparent in this first part of the Bible, in the creation story, is that not only do we have a God who is creator and he's creative, but because he's making us, humanity, in his image, that we have creativity in us as well, as is illustrated in the passage we read from Genesis 2, where God actually has Adam, the first man, do the naming of the creatures that God has created. And I like that that's something, too, that God does not say, you will do this. That's something that, like, grows it's a natural thing that just that just happens. But like Adam goes and he comes up with all of that stuff. It's not something that God, God's not like, okay, you need to go and you need to name the animals. This is your job. Adam sees all the animals and he's like, that doesn't have a name. I'm going to give it a name. Yeah. And, I mean, we, we didn't read the entirety of, of Genesis 1 and, and 2, but one of the things that we realize is that there's relationship happening here. Mm -hmm. And that when we get to Genesis 2.19, where God brings him the animals, it's not some weird, hey, I'm, this is your job, I'm going to bring you the animals and you name them. No, this is something that they're doing together out of a relationship that has been established. And I think that's an important thing for Christian art. This is something I learned I didn't necessarily learn it in The Singer, but I was reminded of it in The Singer, which we will talk a little bit about some other time about why Madman was a very important character for me to play, which was the character I played in that show. Mm -hmm. But spiritually, it was a very important character. And I had this scene where I was just laying on the ground crying, and sometimes I would stare at the audience, which you're not supposed to do, but I wanted to see the reactions. But other times, I would talk to God. And this was, I think, opening weekend, one of our first shows, or maybe a dress rehearsal. And I was just exhausted. I was tired. I didn't feel like I was doing that great. And I was just like, 
God, I'm trying really hard. I really want to do this for you. It was something I was viewing as something that I was doing for God and for others that was redemptive. And I just felt like God said, no, I don't want you to do this for me. I want to do this with you. That it's something, and I think that's really something in our relationship with God a lot is I think we tend to view ourselves a lot of the time as just slaves here to do his bidding, which while yes, ultimately it's God's will, it's God's plan. I think we are designed to go with that plan. God doesn't do that because he wants to see his little ants and his little soldiers doing what he wants them to do. He's doing that because he wants to walk through those trenches with his people. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah. I think that's applicable to more than just creativity. Um, but I think especially for an artist and for a Christian artist, because there's a lot of arts that can be very isolating, you know, like if you're a writer, it's all about sitting down at your computer or typewriter or pen and ink and writing and you're in such your own headspace. But if you're doing it with God, that's, that is the most important relationship you'll ever have in your life. And so then that isolating thing can become something that you get to share with God and you can do with God. And I think that'll strengthen the art too. Um, when God is such a, an intricate part of that, I think it makes the art stronger myself. And I would agree with you and maybe even take that further in saying that good art, which is a reflection of truth, Mm -hmm. even if it's not done by someone who has an active relationship with the Lord, is never done without some sort of influence on the artist. Mm -hmm. So... Um, when we talk about the relationship between the artist and their art, even a writer or a painter or a sculptor who's working not in community, like for theater, we, we're, we're creating art in community. Mm-hmm. For some solitary art, whether it be writing or uh, painting or sculpture, you're creating it solitarily. However, I believe the very act of creation invites in the Spirit of God. So whether conscious or subconscious or unconscious, I believe that the the divine is involved. Mm -hmm. And I think this example that we have of Adam and God working together, you know, God did the creating of the animals, but Mm -hmm. he wanted to have that creation be done in community. So rather than finish the job himself by naming them, he takes them to the person that he created specifically for the purpose of being intimate with him. And he wanted to complete the creative process with Adam, with humanity. And I think that's, like you said, that's a very important aspect for us to remember that even when we're working on something in solitary, that we are not alone separate from God when we create. And I think that's one of the unique things about humanity and one of the ways that we're created to be like God is we do have that spiritual creative spark in us. It's not just a matter of reproduction and instinct, which is in all of God's creatures, but we have something different. We have imagination. We have creative impulse. We have 
the ability to see beyond what is physically around us and create something out of what we experience that may have no relation to the actual physical world that we're in. And I think that's unique in humanity compared to other of God's creations. I agree. And if I may kind of spin off that a little bit, which this goes a little bit away from art, but looking at the Bible in general, talking about how humanity is different, it's a very human book. And it is a book that can, it really contains almost anything that you want. There is definitely comedy. There's definitely art. There's definitely elements of horror, at least in like Revelation. That stuff's freaky. Um, Oh, yeah. But there's also something like the epistles, which is way more academic or prophetic books. Like it goes all across the board for what a personality could want. Yes, it certainly does. The Bible encapsulates all of those things that make humanity different, our soul and our mind. And I mean, even animals have minds like dogs clearly can understand words. I can tell my dog several things that he knows what I'm saying. And mm-hmm. dogs clearly have a thought process and a mind, but we have a soul. And I think that soul is really what sets us apart and elevates the mind and emotions that we have, which are the same as uh, at least all of the living creatures that God made. There's yeah. some level of emotional depth and thought there. Oh, definitely. But I mean, I was have... watching a uh, documentary on elephants last night. Nice. And um, the, the social behavior... And the compassion that they had for one another. There's one scene that particularly affected me when, when they were at a watering hole. And as they were active at the watering hole, it created a lot of mud. And one of the younger elephants was stuck in the mud and couldn't get out. Mm-hmm. And so the head of the herd goes in and works with the, the young elephant to get them to the point where they can make their way out. So there's definitely... When you look at God's creation, there's a lot of similarity between us and some of the other creatures, compassion, empathy, uh, caring, love. But I think there are some things that definitely set us apart, and there are things that bring us closer to the aspect of the divine than what the common animal or creature here on the earth has. And I think creativity is definitely one aspect of that. I agree. I think it's one of the biggest of those Mm -hmm. aspects. And I think those aspects, too, are really what God means when he says, let us make man in our own image. Like, yes. I know at least when I was younger, I read that and I was like, so men are made in God's image. Does that mean that girls are just like this totally different thing? And I was like, that's weird. Or like, what's the relation there? And, and it took me a bit to be like, oh, that means spiritually. Our soul yeah. and how we are is different from the rest of God's creation. And that's how we are in his likeness. Well, I don't want to get too much into this, but it does say in Genesis 1.27, God created man in his own own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So when when the Bible uses man there, it's not talking about the male gender. It's talking about humanity as a whole. Right. Both men and women contain the image of God, and there is both the masculine mm-hmm. and the feminine in God himself. Yeah, which I greatly um, appreciate. Five-year-old John did not understand that because he was five. Mm-hmm. But yeah, 
that's something I agree. We shouldn't go too far into this. So this is going to be a very brief statement, but I, I thoroughly appreciate that in the, in, in the differences between what we can see in the personality of men and women and what our stereotypes and what, like just the personality of people, the wide range yes. that they're and knowing all of that is in God. Absolutely. But I love you bringing up the fact that there are so many different, uh, for lack of a better term, genres presented in scripture. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, we have epic poetry, we have history, we have songs, we have, you know, the epistles, we have letters, personal letters, we have prophetic writings. I mean, like you said, almost every, for the time that it was compiled and written, mm -hmm. almost every different genre of literature is contained in this, in the 66 books of this book. And that's part of the thing that astonishes me so much. And, and we could talk about how the Bible was came to be what it is in a different podcast. But one of the things that astonishes me is, is this is really a collection of a whole bunch of different writings mm -hmm. from a whole different bunch of different people in different areas of the world at different times of the world. And they all are put together. But the amazing thing is even though you have what could be this dispersed collection of writings, when you put them all together, there is a unity and a wholeness when you read it from cover to cover mm. that logically shouldn't be there because all these writings are so different. But when you start to read that book in light of Jesus at the center, it's amazing at how connected it really is and, and how one it seems, even though all the different parts of it are so disparate. And I think one of the things we're going to intend to do, jumping off from this point, um, and it won't be every podcast because we're going to have guests in, we're going to be talking about different things. And we'll be idiots sometimes. Oh, often. Often. <laughs> yeah, only once in a while. <laughs> um, but I'm excited to delve into Scripture and find different examples of how God specifically used the arts and creativity in the formation of this story um, and continues to do so. So I'm really excited about delving into that. Um, one of the other things that, that really struck me about God as creator and then creating us, and you started to talk about this, John, is when he goes to Adam as far as the naming, there's a ton of trust there. In God taking what he created and handing it over to humanity and saying, name this. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm taking my work and I'm putting it in your hands to complete it. I'm just struck so much by the intimacy that God offers right off the bat. I mean, like I know that I have, I've, as a director, as, as an actor, and even more so as a writer, I can be very protective of the work that I do. Yeah. I, um, but I'll tell you, my most rewarding experiences creatively has, are when God has birthed something in me and I've worked it out or like I've written a script and then I take it to this community of artists and I say, okay, here's what I've created. And I hand it over to them and something completely outside of my imagination happens. Mm -hmm. that the collaboration of artists comes together 
And there are aspects of what I created that, that I, I didn't even notice when it was happening and beauty and, and stuff that comes out of it that I, as the writer, wouldn't have imagined. But because we're in theater and it's a collaborative art form and we kind of hand this off to a group of actors and designers and cast and crew, it becomes something so much different than what was in my head when I wrote it. Mm -hmm. But yet also much more beautiful and much more impacting. And I think that's one of the things that God looks for is he wants, uh, he wants to be involved in our creative process, but then he also wants to hand it over mm -hmm. and see what can come out of our imaginations, what can come out of our creativity. And I, I love that... the fact that there's never judgment. Mm -hmm. God never questions a single, we don't have any record of God saying, ah, Adam, that name's a little corny. Maybe you shouldn't call the platypus that. You know, uh, we, we don't get any sense that God was critical of Adam's creativity, which I think that's very enlightening for us as artists. I agree. And I think, like, this is a different conversation um, <clears throat> that I'm sure we'll have sometime, is that's an interesting thing to look at in the context of, okay, what, what do I do as a Christian artist? What do I make? And what's okay to make? Like, I don't know if we've touched on Christian movies before, but I'm not a huge Christian movie fan because most of the time their sermons put into a movie form and the, the director or writer picked a sermon and said, okay, this is our movie, write a story around that, which obviously theme is an important thing, but the creativity is what has to come first for that. God didn't say, okay, I know that I want to show people my grace, and I know that I want to show people the importance of redemption and teach them these things. So I'm going to make people and all of that for me to teach them and for them to learn these lessons. He made them because he loved us and because he wanted to. And I think that's the most important thing as an artist is your art can't come from, I want you to learn this lesson or out of an agenda. And I think in general, we see agenda creeping into a lot of art in the Christian world and in the secular world where the agenda is becoming a big thing. And a lot of times it can be handled well, but I think most of the time it will largely hurt that. It has to come out of something that you become passionate about. Even if it's something where you think someone can learn or see something from this, it can't come from an agenda. It has to come from this is something I think deserves to be made or told or designed or seen. I think I agree with you for the most part. I think there's something to be said about, because there is this kind of genre of educational storytelling or educational mm -hmm. filmmaking. Edutainment. Um, edutainment. Exactly. And for example, um, I have lots of friends who grew up with this series, so I'm going to talk about it. Uh, Veggie Tales. <laughs> I am one of those um, friends that grew up with this thing. Veggie Tales, and I haven't seen some of the newer iterations of them that are on Netflix, but I'm assuming that they still have kind of the same premise. There was always like most of them, not all of them, but most of them were like animated characters working out a biblical story or parable mm -hmm. and they had some sort of lesson at the end 
But, you know, like you and like me, we could probably sit here and, and start to sing Where Is My Hairbrush or Water Buffalo or SUV and, and have a great time remembering some of these wonderfully created episodes. And I think really at its core, VeggieTales was edutainment. So yeah. they did have a story or a theme or a biblical principle that they were trying to create, but they did a wonderful job creating story from that. So I think there is a place for starting with theme and then creating a story around the theme that you're trying to convey. But I think if you, if you take theme to the point where it overcomes character and story and creativity, then it, it's going to feel, it's going to feel flat, not purposeless, but definitely flat. For me, I personally like to see, I think we all like to be able to see ourselves in the art that we, that we enjoy. Um, we all like to be able to put ourselves into the story or the picture or, you know, the things that we're consuming as, you know, as art. But I think there's something to be said of just the pure intimacy of sharing creativity. Well, like I, I would love, I would love to see, I would love to be a, a fly on the wall watching God bringing the animals to Adam and then Adam trying to figure out what would be the best name for them. I think that's fascinating. Mm -hmm. And then the fact, and, and you know, you see a lot of like comics that poke fun at different aspects or creatures in our world that seem to be totally nonsensical and the names that they have. And, you know, but at the same time, when I read this, God didn't command Adam. He didn't. And, it, and this part of it isn't even portrayed as a job, so to speak. Mm -hmm. It's more God brings the animals to them. And, and, and it was like this natural understanding that mm -hmm. Adam was going to take part in the creative process with the Lord. And I think that's really, really interesting. And I think we as, as artists, especially as artists who are conscious of our calling with God, I think it behooves us to be conscious of God's desire to be involved in our creativity. That, you know, God gives us talents. He gives us a passion for, for art, for art theater, for writing. But that doesn't mean he invests it in us to just let us go do it. He actually wants to be involved in our creative process with us. And I mm -hmm. think that's fascinating aspect of this story about the naming with Adam is that in many, many ways, this was collaborative art. Yeah. God created the zebra, Adam named the zebra. So that's think, exciting for me. I think that's an important thing in life too. I think we so often tend to compartmentalize as humanity saying, okay, this is this thing and this is another thing that we tend to forget to involve God in our entire life. He yeah. did not make life just for us to do it. Like this was something I think I wrestled with a year or two ago where I was like, I don't get why we are here on earth. It doesn't make sense. I don't get why there is a life, if that makes sense. It didn't really make sense to me. And it, it, like, it just it felt weird and repetitive. And I was like, I don't understand this. Why aren't we just up in heaven or something? Why didn't we just cut to then or something? But it's not because God wants us to do something, even though he does want us to do certain things. 
-hmm. But his desire is to be in relationship with us. His desire is to live life with us. We all have friends where it's like, this is a close friend that will walk through life with me. And that's what God desires is to be that close friend who will walk through life with us. And I think we often forget about that and exclude him from that. But I think it's important to remember that and important to go back to him and to talk to him and just say things off the cuff to him. Just be like, wow, that was weird, God. Just involve him. Because like he's a living being, he has emotions too. And he has a great desire to be in relationship with us. And I think we so often impersonalize him and put him as this thing in the sky. But I think it's important to remember that. And as someone who's in relationship with us, he wants to share his creativity even more. And I think especially in this time, as we're about to you know, kind of hopefully move out of quarantine and start to get back to uh, our schools and businesses and, and things that we do, I think one way that I think we can come out of this in a better place than we were before is to say, okay, God, mm-hmm. give me your creativity. Show yeah. me how we can order our lives differently to be more intimate with you than we were before. Mm-hmm. And I know that's certainly what I'm hoping to do, uh, both for myself and for Master Arts, is I'm, I'm hoping to really look at what my life was prior to this whole thing and say, okay, these are things that didn't really get me close to the Lord. So can I do without them? I don't quite want to go the, what is it, Marie Kondo way of like, oh, this didn't give me joy, so I'm just going to get rid of it. But in, in some ways, I do want to ask, Lord, is this thing important to you? Is this yeah. relationship important to you? Is this part of my job, my life, my family? What are the things that were preventing me from being the intimate companion and cre- fellow creator with you that I can maybe do without? And, and will help me to be a little bit more in touch with your will and your desire and your purpose for my life. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to be doing this from time to time, not every podcast, but every once in a while, we're going to just dig into the Holy Scriptures and find an example of, of art or creativity or performance. And uh, we're going to talk about it like this. So if you have any suggestions um, for a passage of Scripture where you think Uh, God's creativity or art or communal performance is illustrated, let us know and we will read it and we'll credit you on the podcast and uh, we will discuss. Maybe we'll even invite you on to discuss it with us. So uh, we'll we'll be looking at, at different topics out of scripture that speak to creativity especially. With that, we're gonna end with just a little talk about as we seem to every time we talk is, is about this ongoing quarantine that we're part of. Yeah. Uh, yay. <laughs> I love talking about this. That's my Ooh. favorite. And I think, well, um, <laughs> I know both, both your organization and mine have, have made some decisions since the last time we uh, put up a podcast. So I do want to talk a little bit about those and just kind of give people an update. By the time this airs, we will probably be posting on social media some of the things we're talking about and sending out mailings. Yeah. Yeah, let's let's start with Unmuted and talk about what, what you've had to face and what difficult decisions you've had to make. Well, we are not performing over the summer because... There's, there's not really a timeline for anything. I mean, we don't know when churches will open. We don't know when people will be allowed to gather in that way. So we're going to be suspending our summer programming, however. I'm going to be 
trying to put together some pieces that can go out and tour as soon as we can have gatherings again. At the moment, I'm working on writing a piece uh, that is very focused on God and his, his desire to be with us in relationship, ironically. Mm. But that's been something that I felt in my life uh, that I used to do that I need to do more of is just setting aside time to be with God and listen to God. And I think especially uh, like around the time where Israel had turned its back on God just before like their exile into Babylon and all that stuff, there's some poignant uh, moments of God pointing out to Israel and Judah their fault and their, their turning away from God and not necessarily not condemning them, but showing his pain. A great one is like Hosea, uh, the prophet, when he uses Hosea as an actual allegorical example and has Hosea marry a prostitute. And yeah. he says, this, this is my pain. I want to be in relationship with you, but you continually go away to other things. Um, so it's that kind of sentiment. And then we put our Lamentations performance online, and I think I'm going to try and assemble a team that can go out and perform that as well, because I think coming out of this, things aren't going to go immediately back to the way they were. I think that yeah. coming out of this, there will be cause for celebration um, at what God has done. But I think a lot of lives are going to be incredibly different. And I think that we need to know it's okay to not be okay. It's okay that you're a mess and God wants to hear all of that. And that sometimes it's okay to shout and rail at God and he wants you to bring your anger and your sadness and all of those nasty emotions that you just hide by saying, oh, I'm fine. Yeah. He wants you to bring those to him. To really let people grieve and lament. Hence the name Lamentations. Um, and then we may be doing a night of worshipful arts in some way, shape, or form, which is not officially announced, nor entirely officially planned. So you're hearing a rumor from the executive director, but keep your eyes open for that because we're hoping to be able to raise some funds and just some general awareness for Christian arts and just help make some people aware of the struggles that the whole community is going to be going through. But yeah, how about Master Arts? Very similarly, um, we have had to cancel our summer programming. So all of our classes, our arts day camp, our youth summer stock, our, our summer show um, are not happening. In fact, I can tell you with confidence that even the office is not going to be open, physically open, until probably the 1st of August. I mean, you'll still be able to call us and contact us by email. I'll be working here at the theater and at home. But we've pretty much put all of our programming on hold. Now, we do have a plan that we're putting in place. We are planning on taking the shows that we had to cancel from this past season, our season of Discovery, and doing them in the fall. So the dates we have for that are uh, Enchanted April, which was already in performance and was only a couple weeks away from opening when this all happened. Enchanted April is going to be, and this is all tentative based on what's happening in the community, of course. Um, but our tentative plan is to put Enchanted April opening on September 17 and running through October 3rd. And then Life Derailed, the train heist comedy written by local author Ruth Hoffman, is going to be November 5th to 21st. So then for Christmas, we've decided to do something because of the uncertainty. We wanted to do something that would be very uplifting, very Christ-oriented, but also allow us a little more creative freedom than a lot of, you know, when we get scripts from publishing houses. 
So we're going to do a musical based on the short story, The Other Wise Man by Henry Van Dyke. A lot of people know that story. Well, this is a musical that I wrote the book and the music was written by Stuart Jones. So the same team that put together the singer that we did uh, a couple of years ago, we'll be doing this musical called Seeking the Child in December. And that'll be December 10th to 19th. Um, so I'm very excited about the possibility of doing that. And then what we've done is we took all the season of identity that we announced for 2020, 2021, and we've moved it all into next year. So we'll be doing the youth show, the Velveteen Rabbit, uh, opening on January 7th. Uh, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, the fantastic play based on the classic film, will be February 18th, which is the same that it had before. Disney's Hunchback of Notre Dame will be April 22 to May 15th. And then Over the River and Through the Woods, the comedy by Joe DiPietro. You are directing that, actually. Yes. Um, that will be June 10th to 26th. Then we're still planning on doing C.S. Lewis's The Magician's Nephew for our youth show next summer. And then we're taking the musicals and the Christmas show that we're supposed to be at it at the end of this year, and we're moving it to the end of next year. So Jane Eyre, the musical, is going to be September 16 of 2021. And the best Christmas pageant ever will be opening November 18 of 2021. And then going forward, we're no longer going to have school year seasons, we're going to have calendar year seasons. So that's going to be a little bit of a change that we'll be walking into as we've made these changes going forward. But again, this is all written in pencil, and a lot of it's going to be determined by the requirements that we have based on our, our state government and the CDC. But our hope is that our next show will be Enchanted April opening in September. So we're very excited about that. A lot of people, both Actors and uh, patrons are very wanting uh, the theater to be open again. Uh, but we want to make sure that we're doing it cautiously, that we're keeping the safety of everyone involved in mind. I can tell you that I'm looking at different vendors to come in and sanitize our building and sanitize our seats and auditorium in between performances. We're, we're definitely going to have some things in place to protect staff and patrons and cast and crew more so than we have in the past to make sure that we can be safe uh, mm -hmm. when we do re-enter back and open up again. So that's what we have going on. It's nice to be able to see a light at the end of the tunnel. I agree. I remember I went and talked with God on Wednesday because I wasn't really sure where to go and just feeling like, okay, I have something that I feel like has been placed here that I think is from God that you can walk towards instead of just floating in this uncertain chaos of COVID is really helpful. Um, All right. Okay. So for our last <laughs> thing that we'll talk about, do we have since time? We brought up, since we brought up Veggie Tales today, two questions to end the show with. Okay. First, what is your favorite vegetable to consume? And second, if you were a vegetable, what kind of vegetable would you be? All right. You answer so, first, and then I'll, I'll answer after that. My girlfriend from across the computer has said a radish. Apparently, I would be a radish because I blush so much. This is what my girlfriend has said. Okay. Um, I quite notoriously hate, with an absolute passion, all green food, which I'm sure Tim maniacally was thinking in the back of his mind as he asked me this question. 
However, trying to get in shape last year forced me to eat some green foods, so I eat broccoli and kale. These are the two vegetables that I most frequently eat, but I also enjoy green beans and corn at times. And potatoes, because I suppose those are vegetables. It depends okay. on who you ask. Green beans, potatoes, and corn all end up in the starch area. Ah, so I may have um, just listed several things that are not vegetables. It depends on who you ask. I mean, so technically, I think they are, but uh, it works. Okay. How about um, you, Tim? I was going to say a tomato for, the, for a very similar reason, because if I spend too much time in the sun, I'm very red. Right, um, because of the wonderful thing called sunburn. Neither of us tan. We just right, shed no. like a snake. Just burn. So probably appearance-wise, I'd say I look most like a tomato. Hopefully, I'm not quite as round. I'm trying not to be anyway. But favorite vegetables to consume? Actually, lately, um, I've really gotten a fondness for, for the green leafy vegetables that are not lettuce. So I'm not sure even what the names of them are, but I love a really good well, mixed kale salad. Kale is one of them. Kale, kale is, is one, one of them. them. Yeah. So, yeah, I really like mixed greens. Uh, I'm finding that I like to eat carrots raw a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and celery with peanut butter. I wish I could yeah. eat it. I can't have peanut butter no. at home either because my little guy is, is allergic. But uh, I do like to sneak some creamy peanut butter onto some uh, celery and, and snack on that. So, until so. next time, go enjoy some veggie tales. Or uh, eat some good vegetables for you. Mm -hmm. Vegetables are our sponsor of this this episode of the podcast, since we're talking about it so How much. How much money are we getting from vegetables? Are they helping us Absolutely stay afloat? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely Tim, we need nothing. we need to talk about your partner, your sponsorship <clears throat> negotiation skills, because that's a terrible sponsorship. I know it's bad, but we want to thank you for listening again for putting up with us for another you know half hour, forty minutes of your time. So thank you for for doing that. Um, again, if you have any suggestions uh, for things that you'd like to hear us discuss or maybe uh, someone you'd like to hear come on and talk with us about creativity and faith, um, or if there's specific passages in the Bible you want us to address in, our, in that portion of the podcast, um, shoot an email to us or put a comment below and in either Spotify or Apple Music or online when we post these to social media. We would love to address those. So thank you again. For listening to Playing for the Master, I am Tim, and he is John, I think. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to kill the flow. And we are signing off. Thanks for <laughs> listening. Take care. Thank you for listening to Playing for the Master, a co-production of Unmuted Arts and Master Arts Theater both out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. Our theme music is Rondo Giocoso, a piece written and performed by Richard Sertia. Our podcast is edited by Tim Van Bruggen. The views expressed by the hosts of this podcast are completely their own and may not reflect those held by the organizations as a whole. If you have any comments or suggestions for topics you'd like to hear discussed, please email them to director at masterarts.org. Thanks for listening.